Let's jump right into our teaching text for today in Genesis chapter 15, starting in verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So a couple of years ago, I don't know, five, six years ago maybe, there was a very prominent pastor with a large platform, one of your milk and cookies Bible preaching pastors that I followed, and he tweeted. This is back when I was a tweeter. Uh, he, <laughs> he put up on Twitter, some days I just don't know if I can believe it all again. And I almost dropped my phone. Uh, but then I kept reading. I think the next tweet was, And then some time passes, and I talk to God, and then I get better. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, like the, the amount of courage it took to, uh, to, to put out there that, that maybe he has some, some doubts on some days, or just some days it's just hard to believe. And I loved, the, I loved the hope there, that I hang on, I keep talking to God, and then I get better. And many of us go through times where, where we find ourselves that we're reluctant to believe. I remember uh, one time as a, as a youth pastor, one of my youth workers came up to me and said, like, you know what? At, at summer camp tonight, I felt like everyone else was, was in the throne room of heaven. And I'm seeing these 12-year-olds to, to high schoolers, and they're jumping up and down and worshiping God enthusiastically. And I felt like I was still here on earth. Sometimes we just feel like we're, we're going through the motions some days, and, uh, and, and it's hard to believe. Or other times, the world's just a hard place to live, and, and we, we try to reconcile our, our day-to-day reality and the grind that we're going through and the noise that we're hearing with what we, what we see God has promised us in Scripture and what we know somewhere deep down to be true about this God-created universe. Uh, over the past few weeks, we've started out this year in 2022 talking about the ancient path, uh, inspired by this verse in Jeremiah 6, 16, which uh, Jeremiah is telling the, the tribe of Judah and the southern kingdom, stand at the crossroads and look, ask where the ancient path is and where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. This, uh, this, this ancient path is this historic road that we can follow of, of people who've come before us and they have followed God and obeyed God and watched God prove himself over and over and over again. And today, 
I want to speak to you and 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 for us to to start a conversation about doubt and uncertainty. That's the main subject for today and and on two different ends of the spectrum. I think doubt has been unfairly branded as the villain in our life story, especially for those of us who are uh, who are on uh, a journey of faith and we're trying to follow Jesus as best we can. And I know there's been many times in my journey where uh, even as a teenager, I would try to go to sleep, my head would hit the pillow, and I'm remembering one specific time I was thinking about Peter and denying Jesus. And I was about 16 years old. And I was thinking, is all this true? <laughs> you know, uh, 16, 17, 18 years old, I would go through seasons of wondering, as awesome as my family is, what if I was born to another family? Would I still be a Christian? And my heart was captured for Jesus at a very early age. And I had this kind of, I call myself a theological mutt because I come from an independent, charismatic, Pentecostal background uh, in my early years. And then I was in a Wesleyan church and my stepdad is a Southern Baptist background. And I had lots of good things to take from these different streams of Christianities, uh, Christianity that, uh, that I was exposed to. And I was so fortunate to have grandparents, mom, family members, stepdad, that when I had a question or a doubt, they, they treated it with uh, such kindness and, and didn't freak out and just, oh, yeah, that's a natural question. But I remember growing up having other friends that, that would express questions or doubts and people would say to them, oh, that's just an attack, brother. That's a, that's a, that's a demonic attack. And the friend was like, no, I just had a, a question here. I don't want to escalate it. Sometimes that may be true. It may be a spiritual attack. Or other times it felt to my friends like it was just being, their doubts were being pushed aside. Or they were told just to suck it up and push through and pray harder and read harder and try harder. And for so many folks in, our gener- in, in my generation, we learned quickly that questions were often viewed as threats and, and that if we had questions, you'd kind of hide them. But for a lot of us, when we finally started to, to, to publicly say, I, I wonder about this, it was this, this great experience of realizing, oh my goodness, other people have the same questions too, and I'm not the crazy one. I'm not the one who somehow missed it, that all oh, this is a normal part of following Jesus. So on one end of the spectrum, we have doubts as threats, and they're treated with a very just uh, almost fight or flight response. But on the other end of the spectrum, especially in, in the years that I've been paying attention, in the past 15, 20 years, I've also seen doubt cast as the hero in the story. Sometimes this is due people having doubts and, and their doubts are being championed because they've experienced hypocrisy in the church uh, or, or they come across the apparent incompatibility of the Bible with contemporary life. Or, or maybe they've been exposed to just close-minded and fearful of everything circles of people who claim to, to follow Jesus. And, and they have these doubts and, and, and they're celebrated to an unhealthy extent to where uh, there, there's some sort of modern day sage and it's like, yes, don't believe anything. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they're almost, it, not almost, they're scared to believe anything. So we've got two, end, two ends of, of a spectrum, fear of any kind of questions or fear of believing anything. 
and I'm not called and you're not called to live a life that, that's captive to fear. We're, let's live a life beyond fear, confident that God isn't defensive or offended by our questions. When we are praying and we have a question about something or God, are you there? It's not like God's up in heaven going, oh no, <laughs> Jesus, Holy Spirit, get over here. What are we going to do? She's doubting. He's doubting. What's going on? No, I, I want to believe and I want to be able to count the cost of that belief. Even, even when I can't prove empirically or verify every single part of my faith in like a, a modernistic kind of way, like I, I want to know that, that, that God is there even when I can't explain it. I, I, I want to believe at a very, very deep level. So the goal for our time together today is to de-escalate the fear around questioning and at the same time to de-escalate our fear of believing and taking that leap of faith. And let's move beyond viewing doubts as bad or scary or questioning and move towards uh, wrestling with honest questions, with the, the, the want to, to, to follow God's path and viewing that as a normal way of growing in our faith and God molding and shaping our thinking and our will and, and our relationships it's, it's just part of the process, and I want to encourage, and I hope there are some of you here that are, that are here because you're a little bit reluctant to believe, and somehow that, that you will trust that God led you here today, and I want to encourage those of you who are reluctant to believe to, uh, to, to take that risk and trust your heart to God and also trust your heart to the community of faith and, and believers so let's, uh, of course, I want you to re-examine uh, the, the way of Jesus, but I want to challenge those of you who are more reluctant to question your fear of belief today and investigate, pull at that thread, uh, investigate the origins of that fear. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will liberate you from fear, no matter where on the spectrum of, of, of belief, uh, faith, and doubt, wherever you land on that. So um, last week, we were introduced to this, this narrative, Abram's narrative. He's not Abraham yet. This is really confusing sometimes for pastors because we use a lot of words, and sometimes you, you mix it up when we're in this part of Genesis. He hasn't been renamed by God yet. But in Genesis chapter 12, Abram is called to leave the land of his fathers and leave his culture, his heritage, uh, leave comfort, and take this risk of following God to this land that, that Abram has been promised. And uh, as we're reading this, I, and I've been chewing on this passage, I realized that my assumption is that Abram, who's face to face with God, hears the Almighty talk to him, that this is the kind of guy who has all of his questions answered. Like for him, doubt isn't a big deal. I think a lot of us have that assumption as we come across these different, different people who've walked before us that they're somehow made of something different than we are. They have a different spiritual DNA and they walk around and they're always certain. And no matter what they come up against, they're like, oh, nope, God's going to come through. I got this. No problem. Like they're leaping, leaping uh, incredible situations in a single bound because they have this almighty faith. But if we take a look a little bit closer, you know, we hear in Genesis 15:1, God starts out, "Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield 
and great reward. It's like God is saying, Abram, you, you followed me from Eastern Turkey all the way uh, on the way to the promised land and I've got your back, Abram. And notice Abram's first words. They reflect his uncertainty. Sovereign Lord, what can you give me? And he talks about how, how he's childless and his, his servant will be his heir. You know, going back to uh, Genesis 12, Abram's been promised by God, I'm going to bless your family line, like your flesh and blood, and I'm going to bless the whole world through it. But some time has gone by, and God's reminding Abram of his, I'm going to be your shield. I'm reminding you of my promise, Abram. And Abram's kind of looking around going, well, I don't have an heir yet. Abram couldn't connect the dots even though God kept reminding Abram of these promises and his lived reality seemed to be completely disconnected from God's promises after all of this time. To me, this gives me great comfort because Abram isn't the hero in the story. A little principle of reading, uh, especially these scriptures in, in what we call the Old Testament, is that God is the hero. I see a lot of myself in Abram even though he's actually heard God's voice and seen visions. God's voice in this passage is coming to him in a vision, and he's still going, ah, I don't seem to follow. <laughs> uh, you're saying this, but you know, uh, it's like the, the, the commercial in the 80s. Where's the beef? Like, where, where's the air? Um, I watched way too much TV as a kid. But God firmly reminds Abram of the promises again, going, okay, okay. God says, I got you, son. Abram, come out, look at the stars, count them if you can. I picture a twinkle in God's eye when, when this is going on. Look, I made all these with just words, and also your descendants are gonna outnumber even these stars. And, and for us Christians, the New Testament picks up on this part. The last part in this passage is Abram believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. So if you're reading this and you think Abram has everything settled into his heart up to this point, just take a look at the next verse. <laughs> okay, great stars, God, that's wonderful. And God, you just said you're going to give me this land. And Abram says, well, how can I know that I will gain possession of this land that you've, you've, you've just promised me? So I, I take so much comfort in that because we can all be a lot like Abraham, Abram sometimes. Lord, I believe. Lord, I don't believe. Okay, I believe again. If we had a belief thermometer, it would be going up and down and up and down. God, thank you for coming through. And two weeks later, ah, God, where are you? So as we explore scriptures, uh, we find Abram's lack of faith it's actually normal. It's not exceptional. This is something all of us go through as we, as we follow God's path for us. And especially for those of us who have turned over control of our lives to Jesus. My assumption, and maybe, maybe you uh, had this experience too, that once in my late teens, I was really committed. I had a faith that I had inherited from my parents, but I went through a little bit of life Back when I was a teenager, I thought I'd lived a lot of life, but I said, okay, this Jesus, I'll never forget standing up and walking down and saying, I'm in, God, you're in control. 
my assumption was after that, there would be a metaphorical red carpet that just rolled out in front of me and everything would be easy and I would leap temptation in a single bound and I would just go from, from great thing to great thing. But life was hard and I, I didn't realize God wanted to use difficulty, use hard situations in my life to continue to strengthen me. I thought the ancient path would be free of potholes. It would be free, it would be perfectly paved and I could put things on cruise control. But that, that's not real life. So as we're following Jesus, there's this tension between all the things God has promised us and, and our day-to-day reality. And our human brains sometimes work overtime and we can exhaust ourselves trying to resolve this tension. But even the scriptures tell us like this tension won't be resolved until Jesus comes back. There's language in there that says right now we see through a glass dimly. Like God isn't as concerned with us resolving this tension because God wants us to have a relationship with God. God wants us to have a relationship with others as we as we navigate this tension and learn how to, to follow Jesus faithfully and, and have experience after experience of God coming through. God appears to be completely fine with this tension. And one of my old pastors say, God is almost unsettlingly comfortable with our discomfort. Because <laughs> what we perceive as discomfort in the moment, God is about to do a judo move and, and use it uh, for his glory, use it to strengthen us, uh, what, what the enemy means for evil, the, uh, God means for good. That theme is throughout scripture. God never wastes anything. God wants us to build a relationship with him and build a relationship with others as we journey together. But for some people, asking questions of your faith is very threatening, as we've mentioned. Uh, And a lot of times, the people who are threatened by this maintain an image of an unshakable, uh, unshakable, unquestionable faith. But when they come into contact with with people who do have questions, uh, there's almost a panic there that shows that underneath the surface, that, that there's fear there. And I get the image of a house of cards. Like, wait, 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 wait. Wait, you've got doubts and questions? No, we need, we need to figure them out right now. And it's in the Bible. God said it, that settles it. Boom, let's not talk about it any, anymore. Like, and if, if one of those cards is pulled out and, and looked at, the whole house could fall for them. But we can't entertain these, like, there is uncertainty in life. We are not God. If we understood everything, who would we be? We would be God. So we, we can just take a, a, relax, a, lack, a relaxed posture in a moment when we have these fears or doubts or when we come into a situation like that and go, ah, God is God and I'm not. I don't have to figure all of that out today. And even if God explained it to me, I wouldn't probably understand it. But what, what about this question? What if is we're searching for truth and, and seeking to understand this world. What if all true things belong to God? What if, if someone is genuinely trying to seek the truth? What if when you are genuinely trying to seek the truth and you find the truth, what if that thing already belonged to God? 
Psalm 24 says, the whole earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If it's true, it belongs to God. God isn't scared of questions or us asking uh, why things are happening or, or the way the world works. You know, what if every time a new scientific discovery is made or uh, our response was, was, oh my goodness, wow, is that true? What if this is how God did it? Uh, and, and continue to test it and question it instead of going, I don't know, I don't know. It didn't say specifically that in the, in the scripture, but say like, oh, wait, if it's true, it belongs to God. Let's test it and see if it's true. Whoa, I love that posture of curiosity and wonder. Like, oh my goodness. Because if it's true, God is behind it. And you get into things like quantum physics. I, I'm not going to use that in my, in my, in my sermon or anything because I, I can't even pretend to understand it. But as I'm looking through articles and, and reading a little bit about it, I'm like, oh my goodness. God is everywhere everywhere in creation. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago, there's meaning baked into every part of this God-created universe. So for us to think that God is somehow threatened by asking a question, like, like God wouldn't know it somehow. No. God's like, I can handle your questions. Ooh, good question. Let's, 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 uh, let me teach you about that. Let's journey together. God is not threatened. So we mustn't project our fears onto God. It's not like in a in a, a word processing document where you copy and paste. Don't copy and paste your perceptions and and your fears and anxiety onto God. God's got all this. Got the whole world in his hands. And when we come to God with our questions, he's not going to get mad and it's not a sign of weakness on your part or on my part. That's actually courageous to admit that you have questions. That's, that is incredibly brave. And to work out our questions with God conversationally leads to a closer relationship is another way to say what I'm saying. To work out our questions conversationally with other people who know God and other people who may have the answer because they've lived more life than us or they've done more study in an area or they may have the courage to say, I don't know either. Let's, let's learn about it together. That kind of relationship, it reminds me of a blacksmith making a tool like a hammer harder and it heats it up and, and cools it down and, and refining it. And I think for us, especially these days, we would do well, we would do extremely well to add in some humility into our faith and into our approach to life. We need to humbly accept the fact that there are going to be some things in this life that we can't empirically prove or understand. In our present age, we would do well to gain some much-needed flexibility to our belief system and say, I don't know yet, and realize that doesn't make us uh, a non-believer. That doesn't mean we aren't a true believer. You know, back in college, I worked catering. Uh, on my college campus, and we had a 60-story uh, office building. And at the top, there was a beautiful venue for events. And uh, I, I got to bring people iced tea and ask chicken or fish a lot. And it was 60 stories tall in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I was working in the spring during tornado season. 
And I was just shocked to realize that this building that contained tons and tons of steel and concrete, strong structure, in a storm, if you were real careful and, and paid attention, there was a little bit of wiggle at the top so that the whole thing would hold together. And that's what I'm talking about with the humility of being able to say, I've got questions. Uh, God, I've got questions. Friends, I've got questions. Like that's what I'm talking about. Just a little bit of flexibility because it's possible to have the traditional historical Christian faith and still say, I don't know. I don't understand. And if you're uncomfortable with that language, you could say, I don't know yet. <laughs> I don't understand yet. So I don't want to beat a dead horse, but don't typecast doubts as villainous. It's unhelpful and it injects so much anxiety into this whole thing. But if we have the trust, like faith like a child, that I don't understand yet, but my heavenly father's got this. Maybe someday I'll understand, but I'm not going to put trust in what I can understand and what I can control that's not going to dictate my happiness. I'm going to put my trust in a person, in Jesus, who controls everything. Uh, and do you see what I just did there? I kind of played around with the language there. I think we can find better ways to express our doubts. I'm a big fan of scripting. Like uh, you, you may not know this about me, but I hate conflict. So getting married was really challenging for me. No, it wasn't really challenging. The first, the first year, I avoided conflict like a master of some sort of martial art. A difficult topic would come up, and I could just sque squeak around it. And Because uh, I, I thought that if I had a disagreement, not even an argument, I thought that would be the end of my marriage relationship. And luckily... We had an amazing life group of young married couples and, and some married mentors that had been married a lot longer than, than my wife and I. And we were talking about conflict. And one night, they, they gave us this script for conflict. Incredibly formulaic. But I wasn't even at conflict level 101. <laughs> but it was the first time I saw the script for when you say X, Y, and Z, I felt X, Y, and Z. And to me, it's like brilliant. Doesn't really work in the heat of the moment very often, but it was like the first little language in it uh, for me to hold on to. Uh, the, the little sheet of paper said, oh, can you tell me more about that? Or I can see how you feel this way. I see it a different way. And I just needed a little script to get me started. And I'm not where I wanna be, but I'm not where I was. But when it comes to faith and doubt, Questions that we have. What if we said something else instead of, I don't believe? Or what if we said something else instead of going, I'm questioning my faith? We could say something else differently that also puts our mind into a different space. We could say to God or, or to, our, to our friends, like, I'm curious to understand, and you fill in the blank. Or you could say something like, I don't have a grip on that right now. <laughs> that breaks my brain for a moment. Or, or I'm curious to learn more about X, Y, Z, fill in the blank. It, do you see how it reframes the question of doubt away from some sort of failure? Like a lot of times you say, I'm questioning my faith. It feels so heavy. Or I have doubts that God is going to come through. It feels so heavy. But when you say, I, I, I'm just not seeing it right now, it moves it towards like, 
this, this journey and what I like to call a holy suspicion. Like, okay, things look bad right now. I wonder where God's gonna show up. I wonder how God's going to prove himself faithful once again. Even in the book of Proverbs 1.5, little paraphrase of it, says, wise people listen and add to their understanding. You know, the, in popular culture, it's called a growth mindset. Like we have nothing to lose. God owns all of this stuff. It's all God's universe and everything true in it belongs to us. So when we don't understand, like the book of James says, we talked about it this summer. Whenever you lack understanding, whenever you lack wisdom, ask and God will give it to you without finding fault. So it's so helpful to normalize questions in our approach with God um, and solid ground. Let's Let's normalize this and trust that God can handle it and enter into these conversations together. So many times, you know, there maybe I no, so many times I hear people say, Oh, my friend, they're doubting their faith, and I, I didn't know what to do, so I just kind of turtled up because I don't have all the answers. Let's have the courage to, to say, like, oh, I don't know either. Maybe we can learn this together. And let's not demonize ourselves when we have doubts and let's not demonize others when they're just curious and they don't understand things. You know, I've, I've, this is like most of my adult life is dealing with teenagers and college kids, whether they're in my youth group or, or some of my, my volunteer youth workers. And if you're 16 to 21 years old and you're watching this, this is super normal. And developmentally, you're doing this with all parts of your life. Uh, questioning, do I believe this just because my parents do, or this was the rule, or when I have a house, or when I have a family, I'm going to do things differently. It's part of growing up. And when this process is honored, and we run to the right place for the truth, when we really run to the truth, not just to what tickles our ears, not just something that validates something we want to get away with, it leads to a closer trust with God. It's, and also, it's normal to question God when something bad happens. In a tragedy, if you've lost a loved one, lost a job, your, your life is turned upside down, don't add to your guilt and shame when you're, when you're naturally needing to grieve something. And don't say, oh, well, I have these questions. I must be a bad Christian. Like, no, you just had, you've just been punched in the gut by life that's okay. It's normal. Or don't feel bad when you have doubts when God isn't answering prayers like you want them answered. You know, Abraham kept saying, a little clarification here. Nice promise, God, but I don't see it. Ooh, you're going to give me land? How are you going to give me land? Like, it's a, it can be a two-way conversation. And maybe as you're, as you're asking God for something specific, but holding it like this, Instead of trying to control the situation, God, I need you to do this. I've got it all planned out. Maybe you can say, God, can you give me wisdom? What even, maybe you're so broken, you just, you're feeling so broken, like you just say, God, I don't even know what to pray right now. When we frame our questions and our conversations this way, it prepares us for the shocks of life that will come. I've heard this called emotional budgeting. Like if, if you think you always have to be in control and understand everything that goes on in life, when life hits you, it's going to be a lot more shocking. But when you plan ahead, just like 
before we had our kids, Marie and I had to sit down and look at our schedule and realize our life is about to be turned upside down. We can only prepare to be unprepared. We don't even know what's around the next corner, but we weren't shocked when our whole life was turned upside down when we had kids or these big life changes. And that's the way it is with, with faith. When we're humbly coming to God saying, God, I'm going to trust you no matter what comes my way. I've, I've heard this really cool definition of theology. It's a faith that's seeking understanding, that always asking, God, what's going on here? So in Genesis chapter 15, we learn that this ancient path is one that holds faith and doubt in tension. And that tension, it builds character in us and it builds community with others because we're not meant to, to figure it out all on our own. And we learn in this text that God never scolds Abram for his questions. God doesn't say, come on, again? No, God moves towards Abram every time. We see in scriptures, you know, doubting Thomas gets such a bad rap. You know, he says, I won't believe that Jesus is risen unless I put my fingers in the holes in his hands and see it with my own eyes. And Jesus, what does he do? He doesn't come in and say, Thomas, I, I can't believe I've got to do this. He moves towards him. God knows that we need help. God knows that there's a limit to our faith. At the same time, God moves towards our questions. This is an area where we can experience God. And I want to submit to you, if you're reluctant to believe, maybe you've been burned by a church in the past, maybe life has burned you, and you're just questioning everything. There's a reason why you're here. There's also like something in us that's a knowing that transcends certainty. These are the people that I'm so inspired by. This is the people that have experienced what the New Testament calls uh, joy that surpasses all understanding. That, that even though in, in the middle of hard circumstances, there's still like this deep knowing God's in control. God won't waste this even when there's no evidence to the contrary. You know, I've mentioned my, my wife, Marie. You know, there's a deep knowing that I have that she loves me. I've known, I've known her for 22 years, and I've got a lot of data to back this up. She's my girl. Uh, she, we've been through four pregnancies together. We've been through losing uh, a baby. We've, we've been through uh, job drama, losing jobs, uh, having no money. Like We've been through a lot of stuff, and and I, I know that she, she loves me because I can look back, even on a hard day, and be like, okay, we may be having a rough day today. Uh, maybe she's got problems because I never have problems. Um, uh, just kidding. Um, I can look back at this huge body of dad and go, yeah, I know she loves me. We're going to make it through this. But Abram, even by this time in Genesis uh, chapter 15, he'd been journeying with, journeying with God. He was able to look back and see that God was trustworthy every step of the way. And moving forward, how God miraculously provided a son, Isaac, the son that was promised. Imagine growing up as, as Abram and Sarah, and by that time they were Abraham and Sarah. Imagine you're their kid, Isaac, growing up and listening to the stories of these people who were too old to have children and like looking down and going like, I am a miracle, like I'm walking proof that God keeps promises. And as we continue on through the scriptures, we often read 
that God appeals to his own track record in scriptures. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this experience as Abraham went on, he could look back on, on like step by step. Well, I trusted God when I left my, my land. I'm going to trust God to give me an heir. I've got an heir. I'm going to trust God to take me into this land. Like, this is a story of God's faithfulness. The scriptures are filled with God being the hero and showing up and rescuing, rebuilding, and restoring people and, 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 and nations. And we get to borrow that. Like, I, I can look back and see how God has, has shown up in my own life. But talking to you, reading your comments, getting your private messages, getting to know you better, and, 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 and hearing the story of God showing up for you, what's awesome is I get to borrow that. Uh, if there's a story that I tell of how God shows up, you get to borrow that. We share it. We can borrow these people's stories. And, and when we go through things that, that don't make sense, and when it's hard to believe because we're like right in the middle of it, we can have this assurance that God will come through even though we don't see it. I've seen, I've seen God come through for you and others in our community. And, and let's borrow that from each other and borrow the stories from 2,000 years worth of, of, of church history uh, that will strengthen and build up our own faith. I know we want certainty. We want to understand everything. But when we, when we remind ourselves of how God shows up, it, it minimizes our fears and helps us give up control back to God. Uh, God isn't interested in, in making sure we understand everything. The, the scriptures say God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It doesn't show us the end of the trail, just moment by moment, step by step. So in any given situation, I think God is saying, Will you trust me? You know, I, I have a friend who was praying a very specific prayer. And he says, at first he was praying for clarity. And he was talking to God about these doubts he was having. And then uh, his, his prayer for, for clarity, he's like, maybe I should just pray for some certainty. And as he was praying for that, he had this sense that, ah, I'm not just praying for certainty. I'm actually wanting to control the situation. And then he changed his prayer and said, God, give me the courage to trust you with this. Give me the courage to let go and walk open-handed. So if you have ever wondered what it was like for Abram to let go, like how? Like, well, he had to take a relational risk. It's like trusting a new friend. Maybe you've been burned by friends in the past. Like taking the, the risk of, of, of putting your heart out there. I have a, a really good friend that I talked to who, who left left the Christian faith, and uh, just a couple months ago, he was saying, I really wish I could believe, but I don't know if I can risk my heart again. That's the invitation. God's saying, just trust me. Just trust me. Abram had lots of these yes moments to God, and each time he took another baby step, his confidence grew in God. So are you here today, and you're kind of afraid to believe? Take another, it's time. It's take another chance. Take the next little baby step. Maybe you could say to God, like, I, I'm not even to the place where I want to believe. I'm like three degrees um, behind that. I want to want to believe. God will, God will move towards you. God will say, okay. And as you keep searching for the truth, don't let anxiety rob you of a chance to believe. 
And on the other end of the spectrum, don't let anxiety rob you of a chance to ask questions. You are safe here. You're, you're welcome here. No one's going to, no one's going to, to beat you up or, or make fun of you or look down their nose at you because you have questions. And we're always here. You can reach out to us at sgbic.com if you need some people to, to journey with and pray with or study with. But I wanna, want you to ask yourself, why, if you're afraid to ask questions, why are you afraid to ask questions? Why are you afraid to believe? And today I want you to just quiet yourself and deep in your heart, deep in your heart, hear God say, Will you trust me with this? Will you trust with me just a little bit more? You know, uh, when I was putting this together, I heard this, uh, this hymn that we used to sing all the time in my church, and I can still hear my, my pastor's voice singing it. Sometimes he would just break out into the sponta- uh, spontaneously into the song, and it goes like this. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er which is how Jesus has proved himself over and over again. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, would you give us the courage to walk open-handedly as we follow you? God, we give you our doubts and our fears right now. And ask that, that, that as we reframe our questions and, 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 and cultivate this posture of curiosity and, and wanting to know you better, God, will you please give us the courage to believe again, to trust again? Would you please give us uh, the courage to ask big questions and to remind, remind us of our, our sense that we are your children? and restore that faith and innocence to our hearts so that we can know you and follow you more fully. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So thank you for spending some time with us today. You are loved. If there's anything we can do to encourage you on our journey, please reach out to us, like I mentioned before, at sgbic.com. So until we're together again. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and may the Lord give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.